0: Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Wygen. Purple Mafia is available on several different applications out there. Of course, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Double Twist to name a few. Thank you once again for joining me today as what will go down is one of the best comebacks
1: in Minnesota Vikings history as the Vikings defeat the Denver Broncos 27-23 somehow, someway in US Bank Stadium. Oh! oh, my God! <laughs> yeah, somehow the Vikings fell behind 20 to nothing, and that was the score
0: at the half, and things took a little while to get better, and they eventually got better, but what the hell was that? Well, the Vikings won. <laughs> yeah, they won by the skin of their teeth and their fingernails and this and that. at a goal line. Denver could have easily won the game, but the Vikings did not allow it, just barely. Oh, my. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot to get through here. A lot of frustrations. I mean, yes, we won. It's great that the Vikings won. Beautiful comeback. Nice to have the no quit attitude, especially from a quarterback that's had a lot of things going against him forever. And I'm not going to ask anybody to apologize to Kirk Cousins because everybody had every right to criticize Kirk Cousins last year and this year in certain games. But, uh, well, he's better this year than he was last year. It's safe to say he is significantly different than he was last year at least uh, ever since maybe, I guess, the Giants game, per se. That's when things started to change. The Kansas City game, things kind of reared their ugly head again. But uh, no, not not bad at all. Nice comeback against a very good defense, a defensive-minded head coach that's probably a little too one-dimensional. But, well, I think we know a little thing or two about that around here. Let's talk about Minnesota Vikings' comebacks, shall we, before we actually get into the game. Might as well jump into it now. Some of the best comebacks in Vikings history. Not necessarily points, but the uh, the dramatics and such. Uh, Craig Peters out there from Vikings.com. Senior
1: editor there. Uh, yeah, the Minneapolis Miracle. That was like the most dramatic comeback and all that. Everybody was so excited about that. Then you had the uh, one of the larger deficits in, in the course of time. But this one was only six points. Now again, we'll talk about the... Uh, very briefly, the Minneapolis Miracle. Most of you remember that. The Vikings were winning the whole time, and the Saints would have been the team with a comeback. 17 nothing deficit. They came back, almost beat the Vikings, but then we had to make a very brief comeback in the at, at the end. Uh, Case Keenum and Stefan Diggs hooking up for the Minneapolis Miracle. Unfortunately, what happened after that wasn't so great. Uh, the first playoff victory way back in 1969. Hard to believe it took that long for the Vikings to get a playoff victory, but... Ended up leading the Vikings into the Super Bowl. We won the Western Conference Championship. We trailed by six points in the fourth quarter. Defeated the Los Angeles Rams, as they also were back then. 23-20. The Miracle at the Met. Vikings trailed by 14 against the Cleveland Browns. That was the other Minneapolis Miracle, except that was the Bloomington Miracle, or the Miracle at the Met. Vikings ended up winning that one. The largest overall comeback in franchise history. The Vikings trailed the Philadelphia Eagles by 23 points. Vikings end up winning that one with four touchdowns in the fourth quarter extremely impressive 23 to nothing in the fourth quarter so that one actually even more dramatic than this one but again the way the Vikings were playing and how it reminded us of Buffalo last year when the Vikings trailed 17 nothing 27 nothing you figured this game was over and a lot of people were just turning off their TV sets and moving on um in a lot of ways, this was kind of like the Philadelphia one, I guess. Vikings had that nice comeback in the Tommy Kramer era and such. I believe this was Wade Wilson. Yes, Wade Wilson was the quarterback. Tommy Kramer got hurt all the time. Uh, there was two-minute Tommy years ago. That was a 17-point deficit in the fourth quarter against the San Francisco 49ers in 1977. That was a pretty good comeback, defeating the Niners. Two-minute Tommy, 11 points there down the stretch, but 17-point deficit to the 49ers when they weren't all that good back then. That was, of course, before a guy named Joe Montana suited up for them, and it wasn't the 1950s either when the 49ers were halfway decent. Uh, Nice comeback against the Bears at Soldier Field. The Vikings actually won (laughs) at Soldier Field with uh, Teddy Bridgewater and such back in 2015. We eventually won the division, blah, 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 but, uh, Yeah, today
0: was way at the top. I mean, a 20-point deficit. We actually won the game. Vikings, whenever we go down big, we usually end up folding and end up getting our butts kicked in games like Buffalo last year, which made us all sick and pissed off. And a lot of us saw that as turning out that way. The way that Buffalo defense just manhandled Kirk Cousins, manhandled our offensive line, just like the Denver Broncos defense was manhandling that O-line and manhandling Kirk Cousins. There wasn't a whole lot he could do. I mean, that offensive line today was not doing Kirk a whole lot of favors pretty much the entire game. The run blocking wasn't so good. And to the Denver Broncos' credit, the run defense was spectacular. The pass defense was okay. You know, I mean, Kirk Cousins was just better, I guess, down the stretch, as was Stefan Diggs. He finally got open after being very frustrated during the course of the game. Kirk Cousins reaching the century mark big time, but so did Cortland Sutton as well. Oh, absolutely destroyed. Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes down the stretch. Tim Patrick got past Trey Waynes, Noah Fant all over whoever he wanted at times as well. Some pretty disgusting defense by the Minnesota Vikings uh, secondary and such. Um, you got to see Anderson Dejo return to the Vikings, and it's just the same old crap. He, he got an interception in the end zone, which was helpful after another Denver drive had them threatening to score. So, okay, great, he got the interception, which is nice, but you saw a lot of the same mediocre to below-average defense by Anderson Dejo. I, I I, I don't know. I'd rather take my chances with Marcus Epps in the next year or two to see how he develops than uh, watching him possibly develop with the Philadelphia Eagles. And then the Vikings struggle against the... Uh, <laughs> and the Vikings continue to struggle against the pass with a guy named Anderson Dejo back in there. Oh, goody. Uh, Uh, Anthony Harris, of course, not suiting up today. Didn't see anything of him. Uh, Mike Hughes looks mediocre. He missed some tackles today. He was beat. It was literally just somebody put a hand up and knock a ball away, and it's just time and time again. Trey Waynes continues to keep up with his man. He keeps up with every man he's got because he's got the speed and everything, but then he just never deflects the pass, and late in the game, he did. Thank God, in the end zone when the Denver Broncos were... Literally in position to still win the game despite the Vikings at 20 points in the fourth quarter, which, you know, ended up being the difference there because the Vikings did score their first touchdown a very aggressive drive at the start of the first half. Completely different Vikings team. 27 points in the second half. Vikings literally winning the second half 27-3, to 3, and that was the difference because it was 20-0 to 0 at halftime. Vikings offense couldn't hardly do anything. Running game couldn't get anywhere. Kirk Cousins was constantly on his back. Uh, forced to throw passes that he didn't want to, forced to throw the ball away. It was extremely frustrating beyond belief, but then you saw a little bit more of that bootleg action. You saw some play action. Couldn't do a whole lot in the screen game, but eventually it worked. Eventually it worked much later in the game. You saw penalties that made you sick, absolutely sick throughout this game. Uh, just a couple to name a few. The Denver Broncos were going to punt the ball, and, well, Wilson, Eric Wilson, is called for offsides on fourth and three, so what's five minus, what's three minus five, or three plus five, well, whatever, let's just say, three minus five, well, that's minus two, so guess what, that means it's a first down, yeah, you only need three yards, but you get five, blah, 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 (sighs) yep, so, obviously, Denver got the first down there, and then they ended up continuing down the field, it ended up being a field goal, luckily, but still extremely frustrating. That ended up being the field goal that made it 23 rather than 20, so to speak. So it had us extremely frustrated when we thought we were pinning the Denver Broncos way, way back and hit their own 20, but then that happens and the Broncos end up getting a field goal Riley Reif after a huge gain by Stefan Diggs, which was what, thankfully, little did we know was going to be a trend, not a mirage. Stefan Diggs getting open for a big, 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 big gain, which was extremely exciting. Then you saw the flag. You're thinking, okay, let's pray to God. It's just some, maybe they roughed the passer. Maybe, uh, who knows? Maybe the Denver Broncos were pushing or holding or clutching and grabbing, this and that. But no, Riley Reeve called for holding. Like, what the hell? And that negated that completely, and the Vikings end up been going three and out after that, just like every other gosh darn play down the stretch in the first half and such an early in the third quarter. Other than that first drive, which was great, extremely frustrating situation there with the penalties that they just kept rearing their ugly heads. Luckily, the calls started going on the Denver's <laughs> going against the Denver Broncos down the stretch. Some crucial holding penalties that pushed the Broncos back, but the Minnesota Vikings could not stop the Denver Broncos on 4th down the entire game. The Denver Broncos were 4th and 4, except for the final play of the game, but that's just a different situation. Uh, 3rd down, Denver kept getting 1st down after 1st down. The pass defense just absolutely disgusting, and on occasion some of the run defense, not so good either, but the pass defense throughout this entire game against yet another backup quarterback, somebody named Brandon Allen. Somebody named Brandon Allen, who isn't that bad, but he was decent. Uh, Denver Broncos 4th and 4 on 4th down. Denver 5 of 18, you look at that and you think, well that's nothing, who cares, the Vikings stopped them pretty nicely, and they did, down the stretch in the second half, but then in the second half, generally speaking, but on that crucial drive, Denver did get some third down conversions, one of them was third and 13 you thought you had them, and of course they got the first down, and then every fourth down, whether it was fourth and four, fourth and six, fourth and one, fourth and this, fourth and that, the Denver Broncos got all four of their fourth downs, Vikings converted both of theirs as well thankfully, down the stretch, from the Vikings season was or season/game was on the line down the stretch. Denver Broncos extremely doubtful to make the postseason despite the lower brackets and the wild card are not so great. Uh, Minnesota is in an extremely good position to make the postseason. It's just a matter of what we're going to do afterwards because we're going to be on the road very likely unless Green Bay slips up and I hope they do. I'm sure a lot of you hope they do. Wow, Arizona defeating the 49ers right now. Not defeating them, but leading the 49ers at the moment. 16-10, um, to 10, early second half against the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Hmm. Entertaining game. Flashing in the background here. I'm just kind of looking after they suffered their first defeat to the hated sea chickens on Monday night football uh, to wrap up last week. Uh, but no, this is not a pretty game at all. Uh, the pass defense continues to stink. Uh, Xavier Rhodes, no matter what it is, I mean, the guy... He's either getting burned on a play, or he's clutching and grabbing. It's just one thing or another, and it's another pass interference, another hold on Xavier Rhodes. I mean, the guy needs to sit down. He needs to not be in the games very much. It's just the crazy part is, Trey Waynes keeps getting beat, even though he's on his man and doing a good job. In that sense, he's not batting down anything, except, like, the second-last play of the game. Thank you very much, Trey Waynes, for that. Thank you. Um, Occasionally, the guy gets an interception, like once every blue moon that happens, maybe. Trey Waynes will get an interception. Um, but he never knocks away a pass except just, yeah there were some games last year where it was really good obviously he knocks the passes away, but generally speaking this season, Trey Williams gets beat and gets beat and gets beat and you saw the same thing with Mike Hughes today I was not impressed with Mike Hughes, missed tackles uh, Xavier Rhodes can't keep up with anybody, he keeps getting schooled, he keeps getting frozen in place he keeps getting wrapped around and he keeps getting burned, he looks like Cedric Griffin I'm telling you, he looks like Cedric Griffin. I mean, did the guy have an ACL or something or, or two during the course of his career that we don't know about? Because he's playing like he did. And because Cedric Griffin, after that ACL, that fateful day when we lost to the hated bleeping Saints on national television in the uh, NFC Championship game, Cedric Griffin in the opening kickoff for the overtime period tore his ACL and was never even close to the same. I mean, he got deep fried time and time again leading into the 2011 season. He was just a complete you know, a complete disaster, and it was just unfortunate. He just couldn't keep up with anybody, and that's what we see with Xavier Rhodes now. So, I mean, he looks like Cedric Griffin. He he does. He's just getting beat on every single play, and it gets to a point now where, you know, you know, you like you hear, oh, you can't just call him trash, blah, 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 with all the equity he's built up over the course of these couple years here with the Vikings going back to 2013. You can't just call him trash, you know, at least be respectful for what he did bring to the team. No, it's getting to a point now enough, enough already, because it's every bleepin' week. It's every bleepin' week. You can't come out and just say uh, you gotta be nice to Xavier Rhodes, you know, you gotta respect him a little bit, you can't just come out and call him trash. That's getting to a point, I think you can call him trash all you want. I'm I'm not mad at you one bit, for those of you that he says that wanna say he bleepin' sucks or sit him down or put this guy in or put that guy in. The only crappy part is, when you come back to it, is who are you gonna put in? I mean, is it Holton Hill? I guess. Maybe. Mike Hughes, had his moments when he first came back and all that, he's not been that good since then. It's They actually picked on him last week, and they picked on him on occasion this week, Allen this week, of course. Um, last week, Dak Prescott picked on, uh, he was quite a bit. Uh, Sandejo, the ball was thrown in his direction time and time again, and yes, he got an interception in the end zone, and that was the only good play he made in the entire game. The rest of the way, he's, you know, is uh, just part of the scenery, man. He's not a good player. Anderson Dejo is not a good player. He was cut for a reason. And the Philadelphia Eagles secondary is one of the worst in football. Now we're heading in that direction, too. And I hate saying it. But, I mean, did you watch the game? Did you see the game? Brandon Allen looks like John Elway out there. Come on, man. So (laughs) you just come back with that feeling. You're not feeling good. Um, Cortland Sutton is a really good wide receiver. The Vikings have been getting burned by really good wide receivers. It's not like they all suck. Okay, so we get that. And it's not like Brandon Allen is complete garbage. He threw some pretty damn good passes today, to be fair. He threw some good ones. I mean, the, the good spiral on the ball, the accuracy, the time, everything. He w- well-timed passes. That's how they got those crucial first downs down the stretch. So, I mean, you've got to give credit where credit is due. But at the same time, some of these plays, I mean, guys are just, you know, they're making catches they shouldn't be making. Knock the damn ball away. Or, you know, for crying out loud, be, be in position a little bit in terms of Xavier Rhodes. Where Waynes is in position, doesn't knock the ball away. Hughes is kind of somewhere in the middle. Like, he's not completely on his guy, and he's not close enough to knock the ball away. Waynes is close enough to knock the ball away, and he doesn't. Rhodes is, is ever capable of knocking the ball away with those long arms, and his, his length, his overall size, but he's nowhere near the player, the receiver. So it's like, pick your bleep and poison. Where's Holden Hill? Uh, how about Alexander? You didn't see Alexander a whole lot today in terms of they didn't throw the ball in his direction as much. They, picked on, they were throwing more into the outside, again, Bay being the Denver Broncos. Um, so, that's about all she wrote. I mean, the Vikings' defense was ever frustrating, but at the end of the day, it was way better in the second half, so give them credit, give them credit, Ben but don't break. I guess just Ben but don't break at the end of the day. You kept them to 23 when it looked like they were going to get, you know, 30 at least, and the Vikings wind up with three, maybe ten points, and you, you can just take a look at that score, what that would look like 30-10, to 30-7, 30-3. bleep and frustrating. Again, the offensive line did Kirk Cousins no favors in this game. Absolutely no favors in this game. The run blocking wasn't there, and again, credit Denver's defense for being outstanding. Now let's credit the Minnesota Vikings offense for being outstanding, because the Minnesota Vikings did not really generate a whole lot of turnovers in the game, and Amir Abdullah fumbled again. And Hughes fumbled. Uh, and luckily, he... <laughs> He hung on to the ball, did Hughes, but Abdullah did not. Uh, Abdullah fumbled. Uh, Hughes fumbled extremely well. Hughes didn't hang on to the ball. He got saved by Wilson, a guy who you know was called for a stupid-ass penalty not long before that. So I don't know. Amir Abdullah had a couple of nice plays when given the opportunities. He got a first down down the stretch in one of those late drives. He had a five-yard gain and then a and then a screen play that was nice. So he helped us there. Did I Abdullah but generally speaking the fumble on the uh on the uh on the kicks there not extremely does not leave you with a good feeling you cannot afford to fumble and any kickoff. I mean that's momentum changing your whole season can change in a blink of an eye when you screw up a kickoff. I mean we all remember Yo Murphy, who was on the Tampa Bay Bucks one week, and then he was on the Vikings when the Vikings played the Tampa Bay Bucks and he fumbled the ball away and screwed us good and Tampa Bay Bucks re signed him after that game. It was like reeked of conflict of interest, but I don't know, I guess that's a conspiracy theory for all of us to, to have, like 20 years later now, Yo Murphy, some of you remember him, again, former Buck, former Viking, former Buck, yeah whatever Um beyond frustrating Um, but yeah, I mean that ended up costing the Vikings home field advantage and any type of division championship in 1999 the Green Bay Slackers reclaimed that that was so much fun for us and the Vikings had no chance of any type of first round buy or anything in that game. But uh we'll just leave that alone. Uh frustrating. Or was that no, that was 2000. That was 2000, wasn't it? I believe. And I think that cost of yeah, one way or another cost the Vikings home field advantage. I think it was 2000 because the Vikings weren't going to catch the Rams in in 20 er, in in 1999, but uh we were tied with the Giants so if the Vikings finished 12-4, and four, it would have been here, and maybe we wouldn't have lost 41, donut. But uh, we'll leave that alone. Taylor Conklin had easily the two of the biggest catches of his career. Nice 20-yard long play, and then an 8-yarder uh, that helped down the stretch as well to get the Vikings a couple of first downs. Thank you, Tyler Conklin. A guy who a year ago couldn't catch a cold. A couple of nice catches in this game. Uh, thank you, Tyler Conklin. I remember late last year, he started to make some plays. Irv Smith got in the end zone. Big play there getting the Vikings on the board, which felt so good. Finally, Minnesota getting something, doing something. It was a very impressive drive to open up the second half. Made us all feel a hell of a lot better, and then little did we know, the Vikings offense was going to be significantly better the rest of the game. Stefan Diggs would get loose, and he would catch everything that was his way in the entire game, and he was extremely open a 54-yarder down the stretch, including a a nice pass from Kirk Cousins into the end Zone. Uh, Kirk Cousins, just, you know, he... Hung in there very nicely. He did get strip-sacked earlier in the game when Denver continued to kick the Vikings' butts one way or another. Uh, Strip-sacked was Kirk Cousins. But other than that, his accuracy was pretty damn good the entire game. And, well, he ended up having a spectacular second half. Uh, He had, like, what, 50 yards passing in the first half. Like 50 yards passing in the first half. Winds up with about 270 in the second half. Three touchdowns. He was sacked five times and felt like he was sacked about 20 times in the game because there was just no protection. He had maybe three seconds to get rid of the ball, maybe. And all of us might say, oh, that's plenty of time. You know, Kirk Cousins just can't get it done, blah, blah, blah. But no, I mean, imagine yourself out there on the field with only three seconds to get rid of a ball with, uh, you know, again, six foot seven, 320 pound guys flying at you because the protection just isn't there. It's not easy obviously it's not easy and kirk cousins did a hell of a job today uh quarterback rating 133.2 he did not throw an interception again he was strip sacked in the game that was not good but again the o-line did him no bleeping favors absolutely no favors throughout the entire game and kirk cousins the way he hung in there and uh just continued to hit the plays he needed to hit because again the running game didn't do him a whole lot of favors either Again, and that's not Delvin Cook's fault. There was not a the run blocking just wasn't there. And Denver's run defense is bleeping great, two point four a carry, only eleven rushes, and the fact you're behind too. You're behind by twenty bleeping points. You're behind by third behind by thirteen points, and it just wasn't working. Uh, Vikings two point conversion attempt to Delvin Cook as well, not impressive at all. In fact, we lost a yard on the play. It was kind of a weird sideways, like I don't even know what the hell that was. Sideways shuffle basically to Delvin Cook to the right and it just gave the Vikings nothing. Uh, it was extremely frustrating but Cook ended up jogging into the end zone later to put the Vikings in good position and ultimately those great plays to uh, Stefon Diggs, 54 yards to Pater spectacular play to Stefan Diggs into the end zone that, was, that just made you feel super good and then a 32 yarder where there was just nobody in front of Kyle Rudolph where he also was able to just jog into the end zone I mean that was just beautiful, it felt so good Put the Vikings ahead, but after that, oh my, it was literally six minutes of hell after that for all of us because the Vikings couldn't get what they wanted, and Denver was able to just burn the clock down. Vikings actually never got the ball back uh, the rest of the game. Denver was burning the clock using timeouts at stupid times. Stupid challenge by Fangio over there. Vic Fangio. I almost wanted to call him Nick Fangio, but it's Vic Dr. Vick over there, my former dentist, yeah, Dr. Vick, many years ago now, back in the 80s and 90s, uh, still with us though, I'm pretty sure, I haven't heard from him in forever, um, But no, uh, what am I even talking about? Denver using every second of the clock, literally, to try to get a game-winning drive. Again, trailing in a situation where they had to score a touchdown to have any hope of winning the game. Uh, There was no way this game could possibly go to overtime because of that. Uh, So, one way or another, the game was going to end with Denver failing or Denver scoring down the stretch. Minnesota Vikings had Denver on multiple fourth downs, multiple third and longs, and Denver converted every single one of them in that drive. Um, Allen was spectacular with his accuracy. The Vikings' pass defense just wasn't where it needed to be. And uh, again, credit to Brandon Allen, but also lack of credit to the Vikings down the stretch uh, defensively. Because, I mean, Brandon Allen, you look at his completion percentage and you think, well, he sucks. He didn't really suck that bad. He didn't suck that bad, (laughs) considering when you think about it. Vikings' defense was damn good down the stretch, forcing him to do throwaways and, again, so, the Vikings defense was good when it needed to be in the second half. Uh, Cortland Sutton had an amazing first half, but again, luckily, Vikings were able to stop him more or less in the second half, stop him in his tracks, and again, multiple throwaways in his direction as well, and a couple of great uh, pass deflections here and there. Thank God some pass deflections did happen, particularly to. Uh, particularly down the stretch, uh, when, when Trey Waynes finally deflected something, Andres and Sandejo deflected something, and Eric Hendricks getting mixed up in there as well, and even Xavier Rhodes with a really nice deflection as well, which was an attempt to at Noah Fant. Uh, J. Ron Curse, I thought, was really uh, huge down the stretch. Coming back from a messed up situation, a DUI and a loaded gun, And look at him the last two weeks since then. He hasn't missed a game, and he's been great as J. Ron Curse. He was buried. Before this, and of course, again, with Al Harris getting all the starting minutes and and so many snaps during the course of that time, Jaron Curse was pretty pretty much buried in the depth chart. He had a hell of a game to Jaron Curse, one of the best defensive players on the team today. A couple of pass deflections. He wasn't perfect, but he had some big, big, big plays. Ones that thought the Denver coach, of course, Fangio thought should have been a... uh, pass interference, OPI, so to Oh, excuse me, DPI, defensive pass interference. It wasn't, though. Uh, It wasn't... It was close and everything, but your offense was clicking, and it still would have been, what, third and six? It was just going to be third and six, and they'd been completing whatever they wanted, basically, down the stretch. It was a two-minute warning, so you just stopped the clock with the two-minute warning. So instead... You know, I mean, you're better off just letting it go in a situation like that because it was a borderline call. It was a borderline play. If it was egregious and obvious, he's just pulling him down basically before the ball is even anywhere near him, then yes, throw the challenge flag. But I I don't know what he was thinking there. Uh, It was one of the worst challenges I've ever seen, and it's like, okay, thanks. You literally just threw a timeout away for nothing. You stop the clock with a two-minute warning. You throw the challenge flag At the two-minute warning. I mean, what are you doing? You just... (laughs) The two-minute warning is a gift. It's a gift if you're the team that's behind trying to drive the ball. It's a free timeout. And you just blew your challenge call into the two-minute warning. Ooh, that was a huge blunder. And I was thinking, he really screwed up there. He really screwed up. I mean, I was like, what's he thinking? I mean, it was too close of a call. And when it's a close call... And it's not obvious. It's not egregious. They're not going to overturn it. And thank God they didn't. Can't say the refs screwed the Vikings today. I think the Vikings almost screwed themselves with the idiotic penalties the whole first half and a couple in the second half as well. Anthony Barr was meh, but he had some okay plays here and there. Stephen Weatherly, I thought, had a really good game. Down the stretch, some tackles for loss. I loved what Stephen Weatherly brought to the Vikings today. And uh, Jaron Curse, those two guys are definitely unsung heroes down the stretch uh, usually don't get a whole lot of credit for, for, uh, usually don't get a whole lot of credit in these big moments, but they were big when they needed to be. And, uh, Jaleel Johnson added the lone sack. Nope, nope, he paired with Everson Griffin. Everson Griffin also had a big sack down the stretch after he was so close a couple times as well, putting the Vikings in position to uh, get the ball back, which was merciful to say the least. Um, But, no, great game by uh, J. Ron Kirst, and also, Stephen Weatherly had a very solid game. So, big credit to them. Denil Hunter did not add a sack today. Again, only two today. One to Griffin and one to Mr. <laughs> Mr. Jaleel Johnson. Again, another unsung hero, but uh, had his big moments. Uh, keeping the Denver running game in check most of the time. Most of the time, they were kept in check. Uh, wasn't a perfect game for anybody <clears throat> anywhere whatsoever. I got to tell you, but Kirk Cousins was the closest thing, I think, in this game. I think he was, you know, if you're going to come home with a Fran Tarkington Award, it's got to go to Kirk Cousins. This is definitely a long one, but there's a whole lot to say, and I'm I'm leaving out stuff. I mean, if you really want me to just go on and on and on, I could, but I don't know. I mean, <laughs> sometimes I might be just rehashing things as well. Kirk Cousins, to me, is far and away going to be the uh, Fran Tarkington Award winner. Uh, he led this team nicely in the second half after a not good first half. The adjustments were made, the offense was what it was, and the offense was, well, I mean, what, what uh, type of offense keeps Kirk Cousins in check so he doesn't have the, the, the terrible moments and exploits Kirk Cousins' strengths rather than his weaknesses? It covers the weaknesses, and you optimize his strengths. Uh, you know, bootleg, rollout, and, of course, again, the the play-action plays down the stretch as well that helped the Vikings make big plays to Kyle Rudolph and Stefan Diggs. And it was huge. Definitely a Fran Tarkington Award day for Kirk Cousins, which feels really nice. Feels nice passing them to Kirk Cousins. Delvin Cook's not going to get it. The uh, Christian Ponder Memorial is definitely going to go to Xavier Rhodes. He's just awful. <sighs> again, it's kind of like, what the hell are you going to do? I mean, I'd like to see Holden Hill get a crack on some plays, this and that. It'd be nice, but it's almost kind of like, what the hell, you know? Like, what what good is it going to do at this point? Uh, I don't know. I, I think I would take my chance with Holden Hill, though he's a bigger cornerback, and he might be able to fill in for Rhodes on occasion because I think Rhodes is just... He's hes over the hill. He's over the bleeping hill. I don't know. I mean, he might go somewhere else and stink it up as well. That's about all we could say about that. But that said, we'll take a quick break and come back and look at the rest of the league, including... Uh, Yeah, Miles Garrett laying down the hammer on uh, Mason Rudolph, I think.
1: We are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two. Time to look around the league a little bit
0: and got Sunday Night Football flashing in the background. Gotta love those beautiful royal blue and yellow uh, Los Angeles Rams uniforms playing against the Chicago Bears. No score early on at the moment. We'll see what happens between now and then. So where do we start? I guess we start with Thursday night. And uh, boy, Thursday night, huh? (laughs) That was a sight to behold, wasn't it? Uh, Cleveland versus Pittsburgh. Cleveland Browns win Pittsburgh Steelers in trouble now because the Cleveland Browns are well they're kind of back in the playoff picture sort of not really but kind of and the Pittsburgh Steelers are five and five after having a hot run with their young quarterback who's I guess the quarterback of the future uh, if he survives what almost happened there uh he didn't have a good game did Mason Rudolph four interceptions it was a really not nasty game and he was getting pulled down by a certain uh Defensive player by the name of Miles Garrett, star player who was taken number one in the draft. Baker Mayfield taken number one in the draft. In an above-average game, showed a little maturity after everything took place. Um, I mean, what what else can you really say other than the incident, of course? Uh, <clears throat> Miles Garrett pulling Mason Rudolph down in the latter stages of the game. Frustration mounting between uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns, the old division rivals. I guess you can say. Even though Pittsburgh's got six Super Bowls and Cleveland is still struggling to, you know, well, they've got six losses on the season. Um, I I think I get, that's the relation they have at this point. And no, I, I I want Cleveland to win. I've never really liked the Steelers much. Not really, other than when they had Cordell Stewart that were kind of fun to watch. And I suppose Neil O'Donnell for a little while back in the 90s, the good old 90s. But... Um, I don't know, Miles Garrett pulling down Mason Rudolph. Rudolph had a frustrating game, started getting chippy, kind of grabbing each other, clutching and grabbing, and then Miles Garrett just rips off uh, Rudolph's helmet and, uh, yeah, I mean, as you saw, I mean, do I really need to describe it? He kind of came down like he was gonna literally kill the guy. Like, literally, like, just clock him over the head. And he did hit him. And Miles Garrett was ejected and everything. He's suspended until further notice. I guess he's appealing, blah, blah, blah. Nice to hear, uh, Baker Mayfield basically just kind of coming out and saying, hey, you know, this kind of stuff hurts the team. It's not, it's not you know, anything we need to be doing at any time ever. It's just, you know, we 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 need him on the field, blah, blah, blah. And of course they do if they're still semi in the playoff hunt with six losses already. But uh, they did get their fourth win of the season. Uh, Kitchens does not look like the right guy for the job, though. Believe it or not, I mean, it looked like Greg Williams was a significantly better coach than kitchens so far. I mean, it's been an absolute joke with head coaches in Cleveland. Uh, There's rumors about uh, uh, Mike McCarthy possibly becoming the Cleveland Browns head coach. That might be a nice upgrade, and we'll see what happens with him and Baker Mayfield in the future, but at the moment, Miles Garrett, the situation there, I mean, absolutely crazy. I don't know. uh, It sounds like he's the nicest guy in the world, and he just flat out lost it, and it's just one of those things. I mean, the heat of the battle, you lose your mind, I'm not going to tar and feather the guy, but at the same time, I mean, (laughs) that was pretty bad. That was pretty bad, pretty psychotic. We've all had our moments. We just hope to God we don't go that far and on national television where everybody can see you because there's only one game on at the time other than, I guess, I guess NBA on TNT and all that, if you like that, which I suppose it's more interesting to watch now with the Golden State Warriors sucking. I think that's a good thing. (laughs) I think it's a very good thing. Um... But boy, yeah. I mean, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? I mean, that didn't look good for the National Football League. Two other uh, countries, maybe getting just getting into the NFL, so not good representation right there. Uh, I'm not really somebody that likes to come out and get on my get on my uh, my soapbox and say that is not good. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, like, will I never? You know, I'm not really that kind of person. But it was bad. It was a bad, bad look. It was a huge mistake and. Sorry to see that happen, and I feel bad for the Cleveland fan base. Especially, you know what? It's always the fans that get screwed when it's the bad when it's a bad coach. The fans get screwed when a team leaves because they can't get a stadium deal done. The fans get screwed when the quarterback was a bad draft pick. The fans get screwed when the running back gets injured or was the wrong guy chosen. The fans get screwed. The fans get screwed. The fans get screwed. Uh, when there's a lockout, the fans get screwed. You know, you can just go on forever because the players are still millionaires one way or another this guy's a millionaire, that guy's a millionaire. You know, I mean, Mason, uh, if Miles Garrett never plays another game in the NFL, he's still a millionaire. Who got screwed? The fans got screwed. No matter what the situation is. So that's, I guess, my number one take on the whole situation. The fans got screwed again. And I feel bad for you, Vinrock, Vince Germano, and other Cleveland Browns fans that would like to see Miles Garrett you know, suited up and his helmet on his head and other players' helmets on their head. And yeah, not getting attached to other people's heads the wrong way and all that. Um, I'm glad Mason Rudolph came out of there. Uh, God willing, he's going to be okay. Nothing bloody, nothing crazy. Uh, Thank God that didn't happen. Because, whew, boy, talk about the psychotic situation that could have been, like a broken neck, uh, a bash in skull. I mean, anything and everything could have happened there. Oh, Lord. Sad, sad, sad state of affairs. Cleveland Browns just there's never there's just it seems like there's never a dull moment but it's almost never a positive moment and that sucks. Cleveland Browns only playoff game since having this new expansion team, which is far far inferior to the uh, the original Cleveland Browns. Not just this season, but forever. Unfortunately, they got screwed on a call and the refs guy were getting hit in the face with glass bottles and I don't know. That's just uh, yeah the fans got screwed at that one too. But then again, some of the fans went a little overboard there. Oh boy, again, Chicago, Los Angeles, Los Angeles Rams, early in the first, well, it's getting through the first quarter, two very good defensive teams being defensive teams thus far, and with uh, very offensive-minded coaches not scoring, so yeah, the other side of the ball is ruling thus far, we'll get back to that later, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, go Browns, and I'm sorry, Cleveland fans, I, I am, I'm saying that with full sincerity, the the real Cleveland Browns, the Baltimore Ravens are they've got to be the next best team in the AFC now behind the New England Patriots who are nine and one and rolling and having fun and the New York Jets won again wow against another awful team. Get back to that in a moment. Forty one to seven over a pretty good Houston team. It was in M M and T Bank Stadium, as in it was in Baltimore, not in Houston, not in Houston, Texas. Two of the best up and coming running uh, quarterbacks in football. Uh, Lamar Jackson has gone from a guy who was just kind of an athlete, just kind of a solid athlete. You know, obviously you could tell he had the talent when he was in Louisville. I loved the guy. Just, just channel clicking on a Saturday afternoon and then Louisville. And I like Louisville because I like the basketball. I like Rick Pitino. And then it's like, wait a minute. I like Louisville because I liked, uh, Teddy Bridgewater too. And then it's like, whoa. Whoa, I like, I really like this guy. He's gonna go number one overall in the draft. And a lot of people were thinking that, and you know, just like Teddy, you went from a guy who might have gone number one in the draft to the bottom of the first round anyway. Getting traded up for, but from a purple team. Hmm, funny coincidence there. Another purple team traded up for him at the last second in the first round and ends up getting him. But this guy, way more dynamic than Teddy. Athleticism, four touchdowns, just showing off the arm today, 222 yards. I guess the Houston defense, that used to be good. Four touchdown passes, only sacked once. Quarterback rating one three nine. No turnovers, no fumbles, no interceptions, no fumbles. RG3 even got in the game and completed a couple passes. Lottie freaking uh, Sam Cock, Sam Cook. Hmm, Sam Cook, huh? Sam Cook? Well, where's the Sam Adams there, Sam Cook? Huh? Huh? You got the Sam Adams going there? You got the, the Winter Classics? Or I would like to call it Christmas classics, but yeah, <clears throat> winter classics, I guess they call it. The old Fezziwig, oh, the greatest ever. Um, I What am I talking about? I'm sorry. Uh, Baltimore Ravens defense looking like the the old Baltimore Ravens defense with the dynamic offense. I mean, Deshaun Watson limited to just an interception, sacked six times, fumbled once, couple of turnovers for... Deshaun Jackson absolutely obliterated in the game. A.J. McCarron made a half-second appearance and was sacked once. That's cute. Not a good day for the Houston Texans. And uh, they are struggling in a big way now. 6-4. and four. Not a good day whatsoever for Houston. Gus Edwards ran for 112 yards with a 63-yard scamper along the way. Lamar Jackson ran for 86 yards with a 39-yard scamper for a first down and much, 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 much more. Robert Griffin, Bob Griffin the third. Did the little kneel down in victory formation? Um, wow, Baltimore Ravens—they're eight and two now. I mean, there's—it's it's just not a joke anymore. You know, they were like four and two; they were this and that; they were three and one, whatever the heck they were. They're now eight and two. I mean, that is an elite record, and nobody's going to catch them in the AFC North. I mean, anybody that picked the Baltimore Ravens—and it should have been me—I feel like a complete idiot when I was talking about the Jets versus the Ravens making the postseason. I was on the Ravens 100%, and I'm like, you know what? The New York Jets are going to be the, the, the team that's going to squeak into the playoffs. Yeah, well, Baltimore's going to have a first-round bye, probably, and have a really good chance of going to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl this year. And the New York Jets are going to be in the you know top five of the NFL draft. Yeah, so great pick, Joey. Just great. Great pick. And I picked the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl and the Patriots to lose in the AFC. T- yeah, whatever. It's going to be the Patriots or the Ravens. One of those two is probably going to win the Super Bowl this year. I don't think the NFC wins it. I kind of hope not. I don't want Green Bay to win. I don't want the freaking Saints to win. I'd like the Vikings to win, but, uh, well, that would be the ultimate way to shut up your doubters in Kirk Cousins' case. And uh, I don't know. Atlanta Falcons are shutting up their doubters because now they've won two games in a row and they're 3-7, they're and seven, baby. Yeah. Atlanta Falcons, man. Look, look what they did to Carolina. Boy, what an awful turn of events the past two weeks for the Carolina Panthers. Almost had Green Bay. You had Christian McCaffrey on the goal line. Heck, even uh, even the guy locally here, the the head cheese as they call him <laughs> on KFAN, thought that McCaffrey was was in. He, he thought he was in, but the call just wasn't. It was inconclusive. The the video and all that. Uh, the video replay was inconclusive, which meant the call in the field stands. He's not in. Blah blah blah. And now they get d- demolished at home from by the Atlanta Falcons. And only three points scored. So okay, Dan Quinn, I guess your defense remembered how to play. With now they've lost, now they went to one and seven. Now they're three and seven with a couple wins in a row. Brian Hill, the feature back, and matched two yards of carry. That's unfortunate. Brian Hill out of Wyoming. Kyle Allen managed to throw for 325 yards, but he also had four interceptions. Just not a good day for him. Matt Ryan put up the numbers. Blah blah blah. Did not get much of the whole touchdown. Didn't get the glory in that sense. But the Falcons' uh, defense kind of helping as well, and of course, good field position. Good day for the Falcons, twenty-nine to three, and the Carolina Panthers are on the outside looking in now. They were uh, a promising team, not anymore. Another team that's won two games in a row and is now three and seven after starting off one and seven, including losing to the Miami Bleeping Dolphins. It's like they're officially the worst team now, <clears throat> other than Cincinnati. No, they're now they're three and seven, and Washington drops to one and seven, one and nine. Pardon me. And uh, Haskins Jr. didn't have the worst game you ever saw, but certainly nothing special. Dwayne Haskins, nothing special. Uh, Sam Darnold had a very good game. Four touchdowns against the Washington defense. It looked pretty good against Minnesota in uh, U.S. Bank Stadium about a month ago. I don't know what the hell. Well, just the Jets beat the Redskins. Let's just move on. 34-17. Does anybody care about that garbage? No, Saints versus New Orleans. New Orleans Saints versus Tampa Bay, they get to eight and two. Do the Saints? I guess they're the kind of sort of Baltimore Ravens of the NFC. I guess, I guess it was a low-scoring game in the first half, and then the Saints just kind of took off against Bruce Arians' team that's just kind of generally offensive-minded that had some defensive moments earlier in the season. It's like they're just a seesaw over there. There's It's a good game by Winston, and then you get some uh, another crappy game by Winston, and the offense is good, the defense is bad, this is good, this is bad. Drew Brees had another solid game. After really struggling the last week, kind of back to Drew Brees again, completing everything, 80%, three touchdowns, a near-perfect game. Jameis Winston had four interceptions in the game. He just sucks. Alvin Kamara, about six yards a carry with his dynamic play. Latavius Murray pounding away, but kind of like a Leroy Horde type of game. He'll give you, if you need two yards, he'll give you three. If you need five yards, he'll give you three. That was pretty much Latavius Murray today. At the end of the day, Michael Thomas in the century mark every single week. He gets in the century mark in receiving yards every single week, and that's about all we're going to say about that. Saints put the pound on the Tampa Bay Bucks in Raymond James Stadium or the Pirate Ship or whatever you want to call it. Who cares <laughs> at the end of the day? Well, Miami finally lost a game in a rematch of the 1992 AFC Championship game. The Baltimore, no, the Buffalo Bills versus the Miami Dolphins. The 92 AFC Championship game. Yes, I have a good memory. Miami had home field. God, I wanted them to win that game. Oh, I would have loved to see Miami, San Francisco. And then we got Dallas and Buffalo. Oh, Dallas and Buffalo. Oh, God, the the, the horrifying memories. Miami, man. Dan Marino versus Steve Young in the Super Bowl. That would have been pretty cool. But it just wasn't meant to be. Ryan Fitzpatrick passed for the yards but didn't do a whole lot else. Buffalo Bills sack Ryan Fitzpatrick seven freaking times. Josh Allen putting up the numbers, three touchdowns, didn't turn the ball over. He's also playing one of the worst teams in the league. So it's kind of like, who cares? Let's just move on. Frank Gore going against last year's team. Still kind of slowly but surely crawling for 27 yards in the game. Only two and a half yards a carry for him. But Devin Singletary kind of leading the way now with five yards a carry, 75 total. Good for him. Not much to say about the Miami Dolphins. I don't know. They're just top five draft. Let's just call them the team that's in the top five. Jacoby Brissett is back. Good for him. And the Indianapolis Coles back at it again. 33-13. Nice solid win for them at home. And Lucas Oil Stadium gets your Lucas Oil rolling there. Especially as we head into the winter months. Nick Foles is finally back alive and well. Jacoby Brissett did not have that great of a game. Really. Yet the Colts managed 33 points. 62, uh, he completed 62% of his passes, did, uh, Mr. Jacoby Brissett, but, uh, Jonathan Williams and Marlon Mack literally combining for 225 yards. Yeah, one of them got in the end zone. That was Marlon Mack. Only, gosh, only 14 rushes for Mack, 13 rushes for Jonathan Williams. They literally just ran right through that Jacksonville defense throughout the game. Leonard Fournette only eight rushes because they were down by a million the whole game, so... Nice, solid overall performance. Even Naheem Hines got three rushes, but only 11 yards. Did get in the end zone, though. Nice to see my old friend, Naheem Hines, who I would love to see as a kick returner for Minnesota. He's got to be better than what we have right now. Got to be better. Uh, Good for Marcus Sherrill. He's part of the Miami Dolphins. Yay, he's on the Miami Dolphins. Isn't that great? (sighs) Ooh, 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 ooh. Arizona, San Francisco. The Arizona Cardinals were putting up a fight throughout the game. Good for them. They are up 9 0, 16 0. But then San Francisco just kind of kept chipping away, chipping away, and winds up winning 36 26 after a uh, fumble by Larry Fitzgerald to kind of run the score up after San Francisco managed to get things done there. A screen pass to Jeff Wilson, who just blew past everybody. Bad tackling by Arizona down the stretch. They had their little lead. They didn't take care of the ball. They ended up punting to San Francisco. San Francisco, again, Jimmy Garoppolo's little screen pass to Jeff Wilson. And again, nobody tackling on this guy. Jeff Wilson just ran to the end zone like no one was there. And that was kind of the dagger with 31 seconds remaining. Poor Arizona. Just devastating loss there. It's not like they were going to make the playoffs necessarily, but winning in San Francisco would have been freaking huge for that franchise. Tyler Murray and the Cardinals still had a shot, but then Fitzgerald fumbles. It was a fumble six, and it doesn't really matter. I mean, it was only four yards, so I mean, I don't even know what the point of that was. It's kind of silly, just a short pass to an old to an old wide receiver who used to be great. I don't know. Why not just screw it? I mean, if you you know, either go for a hail mary or something. I mean, but I don't know. Who cares? It's just kind of all she wrote. Good game by Kyler Murray against a pretty good defense. Jimmy Garoppolo did throw for four touchdowns, but did turn the ball over twice. Garoppolo's got a little bit of that Carson Palmer in him where he'll throw the touchdowns, but he'll get some interceptions. As great as Carson Palmer was, he certainly wasn't perfect, just like any other quarterback. Absolutely not perfect. Uh, New England in a game, back and forth type of battle with uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm sure they were wishing this was the final score of that game. (laughs) New England's defense, much stronger than it was during the uh, Super Bowl two years ago when it was just bend but don't break. Philadelphia and New England win the shootout, shootout for the ages. And then the next year, it's like a shutout for the ages with New England and the uh, Los Angeles Rams. Just a mere year later, New England wins 17-10. to 10. Ball knocked away on the last play of the game from not Nick Foles, but Carson Wentz to the wide receiver of uh, the Philadelphia Eagles down the stretch not a happy camper for those guys for uh, it was a mild Sanders there trying to bring it in and could not bring it in ultimately Uh deep pass from uh Mr. Carson Wentz not brought in good solid defense by San Francisco the ball knocked away San Francisco I just called him San Francisco New England Patriots knocked away maybe he'll get San Francisco New England the matchup that a lot of people wanted to see probably forever Back when uh, San Francisco was a good team and they're back to being good again. Maybe you'll get to see Jimmy Garoppolo going against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. That'd be kind of cool. I kind of I kind of hope that happens. I don't want to see the Saints. I don't want to see the uh, Green Bay Packers in the Super Bowl. Go 49ers. 49ers and New England in the Super Bowl. Tom Brady going against the team he loved. And of course, Joe Montana's team growing up would have had to have been the Patriots, you'd think. Because he was actually from Boston. You know, that one of those weird, crazy anomalies where Joe Montana grew up in the Boston area, wound up playing for San Francisco. Tom Brady grew up in the San Francisco area, wound up playing for Boston. So, God forbid. And both of them end up being legends. Absolute legends playing for the opposite uh, side of the country there. Kind of cool. Kind of freaking cool. Patriots 9-1, 49ers 9-1. and I would like to see that happen. Cincinnati still winless. Oakland Raiders taking care of business in a low-scoring, yucky game. Raiders are now 6-4. and four. Kirk Cousins beat a winning team, didn't he? Okay, I keep going back to that, but I guess so. Uh, Joe Mixon had another solid game. Back-to-back solid games for him, but it doesn't matter all that much for Cincinnati fans. I'm sure Ryan Finley completed 42% of his passes and didn't do a whole lot else. Just stunk. Uh, Derek Carr, above average, sort of, kind of, sort of. Derek Carr just doesn't stand out at all. It's Josh Jacobs. In that Raiders defense going from not so good to not too bad. They obviously have a really good run defense, but uh, Delvin Cook made them look pretty bad in U.S. Bank Stadium. It was just an overall awful game for the Raiders that day. But since then, Raiders have been okay, and they're 6-4. And, and Well, they they have a chance. The you know, o- Oakland Raiders have a shot. They are tied with the Houston Texans. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, Houston having that awful game. the Oakland Raiders just maybe knocking on the door for that final spot for the wild card in the AFC, and you know what? I'm cheering for him. Go Oakland! After all the hell they've been through, and all the bashing of uh, uh Chucky, you know, of course, uh, yeah, John Gruden, yes, Chucky, because he looks like Chucky, at least he used to, he looks like an old Chucky now, but, uh, God, I love that look on his face years ago. <laughs> uh, but, um, yay, yeah, they beat Cincinnati, though, 17-10. to They're going to have to do a little more than that, but not a bad day, not a bad day for a the Raiders. The autumn win is a Raider. It'd be a nice exit, I guess, from Oakland to Las Vegas to at least make the postseason and who knows. Who knows? Um again, no score in Chicago versus Los Angeles. I thought this could have been the NFC title game last year and boy was I wrong with the Bears. With the old Doinky over there. Old double doink. Oh. Ugh. <laughs> Green Bay Packers oh, off this week. Oh, off this week. I don't think anybody missed them too much. Nope. We're kind of tired of looking at Aaron Rodgers' face. Detroit and Dallas. So that's a bit about it for the NFC North. Then we can look at the Seattle Sea Chickens coming up. As there will be no show next week during bye week. So there will be no Purple Mafia next week. Maybe a chance for some people to actually listen to the shows and get caught up if you're still out there. I don't know if you all ran away Detroit loses again. They're now 3-6-1. and one. Ooh, remember when Detroit won their third game this year? They were very much in place, and they were ahead of the Vikings, and they're not ahead of the Vikings anymore, boy. And Dallas Cowboys get to their sixth win of the year after getting beat up pretty good by the Vikings last week. That was a lot of fun. Dak Prescott back in business, though, even though he, he torched the Vikings. Ah, oh, terrible secondary. In a torch, Detroit's bend-but-don't-break defense, which broke. It's broke pretty badly. This was in Ford Field, by the way. And, uh, wow, 444 yards passing by Prescott. Just about a perfect game for him. Only stacked once. Somebody named Jeff Driscoll leading the uh, Detroit Lions Who a halfway decent game against an inadequate uh, Dallas defense. Ezekiel Elliott limited big time again. Only 2.8 a carry, so at least the run defense of Detroit is good. But their pass defense, not so much. That's kind of been a, a theme. seems like everywhere. like like Run defense is good. Pass defense sucks. Like the Vikings, generally speaking. Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott also fumbled in the game, but he did get in the end zone. Only managed eight yards for his length, for his long carry of the day. Single digits again. But Gallup, Cobb, and Pollard tore up the... Detroit Lions. Amari Cooper not so much. Didn't have the game he had last week. uh, Though some of the passes maybe uh, throwaways heading towards Amari Cooper. Eight targets, only three catches. Amari Cooper didn't quite have the Chris Carter-like game, but Michael Gallup just galloped all over the... Yeah, that was cute. The Detroit Lions didn't get in the end zone, but still managed 148 yards. Randall Cobb, a 49 yard reception into the end zone. and Tony Pollard as well, getting a touchdown. Detroit Lions are going to miss the playoffs very likely now. And the other team in Chicago, they're the third place team at this point in the NFC North. looks like Green Bay and Minnesota very much first and second and very, very likely headed toward the postseason regardless of how crappy the Vikings were in the first half today. second half was pretty damn cool. A 27-3 to 3 demolition of the Denver Broncos in the second half. So at least we have that to stand on, some momentum but now you got to take your break. You got to let guys heal. Harrison Smith banged up. Uh Delvin Cook shoulder sh- situation there as well. Guys need to get healed up. Maybe other bumps and bruises that we don't know about for multiple players from Minnesota. Riley Reeves seems like he's always banged up somehow somewhere. Uh and would like to see Klein heal from that concussion. Hopefully we'll see what happens with Josh Klein. It's got to be better than Dakota Dozier, who just got ran into the ground over and over today. It was awful. Dakota Dozier was terrible. Raleigh Reef was terrible. Yeah, they sucked. It was a bad game for the offensive line. It was a bad game, especially in the first half when Denver's uh, front four was uh, crushing the Minnesota offensive line. So we'll be right back. Uh, No, we'll be right back. No, let's get into those Seattle Seahawks right now and look at some history which has not been on the Viking side for quite a while between Minnesota and Seattle. It has been ugly, and I mean ugly, 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 Minnesota versus Seattle. The Millennials, or Gen Z, or whatever the heck you want to call them, the Millennial, Gen Z, kind of both, it's a combination. They like to say L. They they took an L. Well, there's a lot of red L's all over Minnesota. Minnesota's lost five consecutive games to the Seattle Sea schmucks And uh, even though the Sea schmucks had some awful seasons in '06 and in 09, where Minnesota actually won a couple of games. You had some really ugly games against the Seahawks. Trying to look at the last time the Vikings won in Seattle. It wasn't even that long ago. Wow, 2006? It feels like 70 years ago. Like, every time the Vikings play Seattle, we suck. You in 06 when the Vikings were, like, awful and, and nobody liked Brad Childress, but we had Chester Taylor, and I believe that was one of his excellent, excellent games. Chester Taylor in 2006. 31-13 over Seattle. In Seattle. Whew. But again, five straight losses dating back to twenty twelve. We actually played them pretty often lately. Where back in the day it seemed like we never played them. Well, the Seattle Seahawks lead the season uh, lead the all-time series between the two teams. Eleven to five. Eleven to five. Eleven and five records. So if Minnesota and Seattle played a 16-game season, Seahawks would be eleven and five, and the Vikings would be five and eleven. Yikes. That's freaking awful. That's freaking awful. These two teams. Didn't start playing until 1976. Minnesota Vikings won, in, you know, with the aging Tarkington and the, our, our last Super Bowl appearance on uh, November 14th, 1976. 27-20, to 20-1. the all-time record for all the points scored. Seattle leads 405-340. to 340. Wow, that's pretty bad. Vikings then lost three in a row in 78, uh, 84, and 87 to <clears throat> some of those classic players of Seattle. Kind of a cool team. Mike Tice is on the roster in the 80s quite a bit uh odds and ends with mike tice that's a fun little podcast out there i i I like the guy uh boy seattle has just owned this team oof duh See, up 78 84 and 87 seahawks won three in a row minnesota in 1990 a mediocre minnesota vikings team that did not make the playoffs 24 to 21 in seattle impressive little victory there then Rick Meyer and all them. Yeah, that just rolled all over uh, the 96 Vikings. That Viking secondary was good. The run defense was bad. I remember that game. Rick Meyer. It's like, Rick Meyer, why is he embarrassing us, torching us the entire game? Rick Meyer was one of the great busts. Uh, first round pick, top pick in the draft, and he was schmuck. He was S-bomb. Minnesota and Seattle were an even 5-5. Five and five. At the end of this game, both teams were pretty close to each other. Ricky Prolauer, wow, remember that name. That's going back in the day. Chris Warren, the former Dallas Cowboy, who was like the kind of the third down, third, third down running back back then. Warren Moon, the future Seahawk, did not have a good game at all. Brad Johnson came in later. He got banged up. Uh, Moon got banged up, but also Vikings were couldn't beat. Oh no, Rick Meyer was just a backup in this game. I can't remember when Meyer torched us. must have been earlier. I'm Ah, I apologize. Somebody named John Freeze. I do remember this now. Oofta. This is 96. Scotty Graham. Yeah, the Vikings weren't going to run much in the game. Lamar Smith. That's a good old name. Good old memory there, too. But, oof, yuck. Some old names back in 96. That Vikings team was all up and down. They was in the Kingdom. They used to play in the Kingdome, where the Seattle Mariners played back before uh, CenturyLink Field was built and up and running. Woo! The 0-2 Vikings. of the Vikings and the Seattle Seahawks played again. 0-2. Oh my God. Mike Tice coming back as the head coach of the Vikings, playing against his old club and Sean Alexander just getting started in his great career. He was an NFL MVP when the club got to their first Super Bowl, them being the Seahawks. Trent Dilfer was on the Seahawks at the time. And uh, my God, this he was fresh off a Super Bowl win with the Baltimore Ravens. He didn't do a whole lot. Culpepper was awful in the game. Several in, uh, several turnovers and such. And uh, woof, nobody did well in this game. I guess Michael Bennett was solid. But that's about it. The Vikings just rolled into the ground. Especially in that second quarter. 31 points given up by a 1-3 Seattle team. Seattle won their first game of the season. Both teams came in 0-3. Seattle just pounded the Vikings into submission in that game. Awful. I want to look at the 0-6 game real quick. Because that's a fond memory for me. Uh, Chester Taylor a guy I really liked back in the day. Brad Johnson, aging Brad Johnson was adequate. Milwaukee Moore threw for a touchdown on one of those trick plays. Chester Taylor, yep, that's what I thought. This is one of his huge, huge games with Minnesota. Just absolutely awesome. I, that's what I remember. Chester Taylor, 169 yards. He also had a 95-yard run, which obviously bloated up his uh, yardage total. But hey, it counts. That's all we got to say about that mediocre Seneca, Seneca Wallace and Matt Hasselback. This was the defending AFC champion Seahawks, by the way, who got beat pretty bad by the first time in a long time. Super Bowl champion Pittsburgh Steelers. They finally got their Super Bowl after losing to the uh, Dallas Cowboys 10 years prior with Neil O'Donnell at quarterback. Oh, Marcus Robinson. Remember that name. Marcus Robinson. I thought Corinne Robinson was on us at this time, but he might have still been on the Sea Chickens. I, yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't see him on either one. I thought Corin Robinson was, yeah, I think he was. I don't know. Billy McMullen. Yep, he was very disappointing. He ended up getting cut the next year. Jim Klein, are still around, but great game by uh, Chester Taylor. Wow. What a great game. What a great game. 169 yards. Who could forget? Vikings beat the Seahawks pretty good. And got to 4-2 and two in a crappy, what would be a much more crappy season after a good start. Oh six was disappointing vikings were four and two i almost forgot about that vikings were actually up to a pretty solid start that year and things dropped off quickly five losses in a row remember ponder icky game in 2012 that's when a lot of us thought we were gonna miss the playoffs but then things got better oh 2013 41 to 20 2015 that uh game leading into the postseason Later that year, little did we know how bad. <laughs> we the, the Seahawks just rolled the Vikings so badly in that game. <laughs> this Vikings secondary was depleted. Uh, Mr. Harrison Smith was, aw- was kind of on the sidelines. He was hurt back and forth in that game. Vikings end up getting walloped 38-7. That's after getting walloped by the Packers the week before. Vikings still end up winning the division. Then you have the frigid frozen playoff game going back to the old days. The Vikings end up having the three deadly sins after going up nine nothing and losing ten to nine, wrapping up with Blair Walsh's missed kick. And then last year, same old story, the Emerald Curtain, which wasn't as good of a defense, but it was an Emerald Curtain against us. The Vikings offense did nothing. John De Filippo was stubborn, would not run the ball, and the Vikings lose twenty one to seven. So now we go into this year. How are things going? The Seattle Seahawks, most recently beating up on the San Francisco 49ers. Seattle's defense is kind of like, okay, should I just say the same stupid thing again? Ben, but don't break. It's their offense. Seattle Seahawks eight and two. Vikings eight and three. Seattle, of course, had a bye week already this year. Vikings bye week is going to be having happening. Pardon me. This week, so things will be evened out. We'll see if Seattle's eight and three. This could be a a crucial tiebreaker at some point, maybe for one of these two teams. But, I don't know, it doesn't really matter, I guess. We just won't play uh, the number three seed, I suppose, in the first round. Because I do think both of these teams make the playoffs. I think Seattle is like a a flat-out shoe-in. Jadavian Clowney added. I mean, a lot of people at the time thought, oh, Seattle's not going to make the playoffs anyway. You know, they're not any good. Jadavian Clowney, yeah, it's good that he went there, but they're not any good. Their defense isn't the same, but Jiminy Christmas, man. I mean, Russell Wilson's like almost having a perfect season out there. I mean, geez, 115 quarterback rating. He's fumbled the ball once away. He's fumbled twice total but recovered them. Only two interceptions. Hopefully the Vikings can do something with it. Chris Carson off to a great start to his career. 853 yards uh, total four touchdowns. He's lost four fumbles, though, so that's something to make a note of. Tyler Lockett, 793 yards, six touchdowns. DK Metcalf will dis Jaron Jerron Brown, multiple players there. Against Seattle gives up points, but they score points. They are 10th in the league in passing yards, 6th in rushing, and 6th in total yards per game. So that's a pretty spectacular offense. And again, Russell Wilson, Obviously, the numbers are good, but the fact that you can't even bring the son of a gun down is a huge problem, of course. Uh, how many times have the Vikings struggled tackling Russell Wilson? Seriously, particularly in third and long. It's third and nine. We, we, we got him beat. It's third and 15. It's third and 12. It's fourth and eight. Yeah, first down Seattle because Russell Wilson, he's going to pass it. He's going to pass it. No, he's not going to pass it. You missed the tackle. Good night. Good night. Good afternoon. <laughs> Goodbye. Same old crap. Extremely frustrating, to say the least. Oh, I hate the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, how I hate the Seattle. Uh, most recently, again, beating the San Francisco 49ers, who barely got past the Arizona Cardinals today. Whew, that was really something else, wasn't it? Mm-mm-mm. Just barely got past the Arizona Cardinals today. Uh Seattle, again, waiting for Minnesota coming up. But, of course, they also will be playing another game between then, between now and then. Pardon me. Looking around at Seattle's overall defense. I mean, they, they don't scare me too much. It's just, again, teams score on them. But, again, what scares me about Seattle, I mean, it's just two words. Russell Wilson. Chris Carson's obviously a really solid running back, too. But he does fumble sometimes. So, that's the good part. Let's look at Seattle's rush defense. Uh, they only allow 101 yards a game. So, but give it to Delvin Cook, because last year we didn't. Probably this time we get the job done. Ah, uh, they only allow 101 yards a game. They're in the they're in the upper half per se. Uh pass defense, they give up a lot of yardage, and I expect Kirk Cousins to go out there and take some advantage of that. They're in the bottom fourth of the league. In fact, only Detroit, Houston, Oakland, Arizona, and Tampa are worse. And giving up pass yardage. The Jets give up less pass yards than the Seattle Sea Chickens, 271.8. So Kirk Cousins, Stefan Diggs, and hopefully finally Adam Thielen. Let's go. Let's go. I mean, that's the hope. We can get something done. Score on that mediocre Seattle defense. Would love to see the screen plays come back again as well. I mean, just keep doing what you've been doing. Uh, that those play-action plays. Finding Stefan Diggs deep. Because Stefan Diggs is so capable of creating separation. And I know he could do that against the Seattle team. I absolutely know he can get that done. Seattle has forced 10 fumbles. So that scares me a little bit. Because, well, you we know what happens if Kirk Cousins gets pressured. <laughs> it happens. Uh, Seattle has 20 sacks on the season. Which, believe it or not, is kind of in the lower edge, the lower half of the league. But, yeah. I mean, Cincinnati's the worst with only 10. They're way down there. But. Uh, pass deflections. You can just look at everything pretty much when you look at these teams. Seattle uh, way, way, way up there. Minnesota actually leads the league in pass deflections, which is kind of a cool thing. And that was not including today's game. We actually lead the league in pass deflections. But that's not because of uh, Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes. It's because of guys like Hendricks. That's why. And some of the defensive line. And occasionally, you know, like Alexander and such, that's the one thing, hard to believe, we actually lead the league in pass deflections, that's kind of funny, Seattle does have one uh, pick six on the season, and interceptions, they have eight, so they're kind of like middle of the road there, less than one interception a game, but I don't know, well, well we got one today, but that was just kind of like a, like a lot lucky in a lot of ways, like, thank God, especially when you consider who got the interception, Anderson Day, who does absolutely nothing for me, man, Oh, Seattle, Seattle. Well, I mean, what are our chances of beating the Seattle Seahawks? I, I don't know. I, I just wish we can. It's not going to be easy at all. This team scares me. I mean, again, I mean, it's surprising how recently we beat this team. But, I mean, Chester Taylor, 169 yards. Yeah, that big 95-yard run. It's going to take something like that. It's going to take a huge game from Dalvin Cook, I think. Of course, I do expect Kirk Cousins to put up some numbers. I think it'll be an entertaining high-scoring game. That's what's got my hope up. But generally speaking, I'm not super confident in the Vikings winning in Seattle. Since the Link Park days, it's been, uh, CenturyLink Field, pardon me, it's been pretty rough. Uh, in between, who does Seattle play next? Okay, they are on the bye week this week. Yes, they're on the bye week this week. Yep, which is not surprising. Yeah, yep, they're obviously, yeah, I didn't talk about them at all. They played San Francisco on the 11th. That's been a little while already. So bye week this week, and then they'll play the Philadelphia Eagles. And then we'll play the Minnesota Vikings on December the 2nd. That is a 7.15 p.m. game on Monday Night Football. So the infamous Monday Night game. Minnesota versus Seattle. So on the road again. uh, In primetime again. And uh, national television, everything. ESPN, ABC, whatever you want to call it. Oh, boy. The chances of Vikings winning this game, I think, are extremely slim. I don't trust our pass defense at all. Do you, after watching these cornerbacks, do you think we're going to stop Russell Wilson? Uh, and Plus, how many times do you see teams getting converting on third and long? Even though we shut people down a lot, it's always at those key times we don't get the key stops on third down. That's just been an unbelievable frustration. For so long with these two teams. I think Seattle wins the football game. I hope I'm wrong. I picked I picked the Dallas Cowboys to beat us last time on primetime. Um, can the Vikings strike gold again? So you beat Dallas on primetime, on the road, a winning team on the road in prime time. Like the a, a triple whammy there. And the Vikings pull off the victory with Kirk Cousins being outstanding in the game and of course Delvin Cook being freaking awesome. Now an even tougher one. A place we absolutely positively never win. A quarterback that has lit us up forever. We've never beaten Russell Wilson. Uh, Even when Seattle was mediocre last year. We've never beaten Russell Wilson. Just can't bring the son of a gun down. And again, uh, prime time. And of course a winning team on the road. Winning team on the road, prime time. So it's another triple whammy. And I'd call it a quadruple whammy because it's Russell Wilson. I think he's just—he's just a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. That's all. They're, they're similar. They're both physical, tough, uh, athletic phenoms who are really tough to bring down. Really good arm, real accurate. But Russell Wilson's the better one of the two. Seattle's offense is very dangerous. I think the Seahawks beat the Vikings in a very high-scoring, thirty-four to twenty-eight type of game. Vikings do get in the end zone. Kirk Cousins puts up over 300 yards. Delvin Cook rushes for like 75 maybe. I think he's going to do better than today. Stefan Diggs is going to get in the century mark again. Adam Thielen makes a comeback. Gets about 80. Uh, Hopefully Kyle Rudolph freaking get five games in a row into the end zone. Wouldn't that be cool? He's been a nice good luck charm for Minnesota. It's going to take something crazy. An unexpected like strip stack, interception, pick six type of thing on Russell Wilson, but also not just that, but an absolutely spectacular game from Kirk Cousins. And, you know, a combination of Kirk Cousins, Delvin Cook, and one of the receivers, they're going to have to just torch Seattle for like 40 points, I think, to really get a comfortable victory over the Seattle Seahawks. Like 41-35, to 35, but I'm leaning 35-28 Seattle over Minnesota at the end of the day, unfortunately. So, that's what I'm thinking. I don't trust these cornerbacks. I don't trust the secondary against Russell, Bleep, and Wilson. And again, I haven't and history is not on our side at all. So uh, I don't know if if the Vikings pull this off, then well, I won't say plan the parade, I won't say get your Super Bowl tickets, but uh well, <laughs> there's something special about this team if if that happens because then I will start believing, truly believing that this team could go could make a run in January. And boy, wouldn't that be cool? We you, you never know until January comes, but I think the Vikings' chances will be sky high you do something like that. With that said, I'll take a quick break, come back for fan interaction, and wrap things up. And we are back here on Purple Mafia fan interaction segment no call-ins unfortunately and I will say again the phone lines we're going to put that on the back burner from now on and I'm going to highly recommend audio submission from now on audio submission route so Brent Jacobson in the future yeah go with the audio submission route (sighs) again I'm not sure what's going on I don't know if Hipcast is screwing up or what but I don't know I, I, I hope everybody's getting the show and everything's going okay I don't know I don't know what's happening because everything is not doing so hot lately. I think it's something going on with HipCast. It's not recording something properly, but who knows? Who knows? Because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I offended some people. I, I don't think so. I don't think I said anything that offended anybody, but uh, it is what it is. A lot of people may not trust their quarterback. That's the other thing. At Proble Mafia Show, at Proble Mafia Show for the Twitter account. I want to thank Tane Brown out of New Zealand. Vinrock Vince Germano out of Australia, Melbourne, Australia, and Malcolm McSween out of California. Thank you guys for retweeting the most recent show, episode 304, Better Game Plan. Today it's Comeback Cousins, episode 305. Can't thank you guys enough that have retweeted the show, told your friends about it. Yep, tell your friends about the show, those of you out there. Mad Martin says... I want to get excited and shout 8-3, but something is telling me this isn't going to be a walk in the park with Fangio and that defense having experience playing against Cousins and knowing his weaknesses. Is this a trap game? You betcha, brother. It sure was. It sure was a trap game, yet we escaped the trap. Like a miracle. Like a miracle escape of the trap there. Uh, Mad Martin was saying they were slicing up the secondary already. Not liking what I'm seeing so far. 10-zip. Had a bad feeling about this game. The secondary is crap. And we are playing a good D. Hope to tell I'm wrong. I'm not. I mean, if if not kiss the season goodbye, we will not catch the Packers. After watching the Dallas game, I looked ahead and felt it's going to be a difficult game. It's turning into a nightmare with this secondary. Season is done if we lose this. I have no belief in this team to go deep this season. Just saying the same thing. Just saying, the same thing is more like the 2013 Fraser secondary. How the hell has it got so bad so fast? Yeah, because 2013. I mean, you know, yeah, it was a really bad secondary. It was really bad, and nobody was knocking down anything. It was just kind of a hope for the best, kind of like hold, hold on, and hope for the best, and nothing good was really happening. Matt Martin uh, says starting to look like the Bears game, but with a terrible secondary on top. Zimmer and Spielman will be gone if we don't make the playoffs. And I was saying yes, they will be gone. I know, There's no doubt about it. They will be gone if that's the case. Mad Martin says "I now I'm not a coach, but run on second and 20 and then swing pass on third and 19. What? Wish I had, had more beer to drink. So the Vikings have gained 38 net yards in this game, but have committed 44 yards in penalties. Serious question. Do you think they can make the playoffs? Apparently yes, after after that. But it was a hell of a first half. Sam Gu- Gupta, out of California. Both of these guys are Pro Mafia Hall of Famers. He says seriously brutal. Broncos have made some good plays, but the Vikings just look two steps slower. That's for sure. Ah, man. Martin says perhaps we should all switch off and do something less painful. Yeah. <laughs> Mad Martin is out of Northern Scotland, by the way. He said, what a bleepin' joke of a half that was. Zimmer needs to punch a lot of them. He can punch me. He might take the pain of watching this crap away. So it is punt, 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 fumble, fumble, and then punt. I would like to introduce you to the Minnesota Dolphins. We have, I mean, we go, we go, have an O. Now the bleepin' D needs to wake the hell up. Could be the most important 12 minutes of football this season. Again, yes, that was in the fourth quarter after the Vikings really got things going there. Hoping for the stop. Sam Gupta says, didn't expect that. I I totally didn't expect that. The comeback, yep. Impressive turnaround, says Mad Martin Zimmer. Earning his wage today, but secondary is turning into a dumpster fire. Going to have to draft a corner first round. I agree. I agree. We're going to have to draft a corner in the first round and hope it's the right one. Man Martin says, every emotion in the book this past three hours, eight and three, baby, with a thumbs up. Well, he didn't say baby, I just threw that in. <clears throat> Man Martin wrapped up the Twitter account, says, they have redeemed themselves. Hell of a comeback, but I can't imagine Zimmer is happy with the team. They had to rally against a bad team to win at the end. The first half was total shit. And I agree, the first half was total shit. It really was. It was a garbage, garbage, garbage first half that doesn't deserve anybody's attention or recognition <clears throat> in any positive way. Let's go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Also recommending MN Vikings Haven to those of you out there as well to hopefully check out uh, that page and join. And uh, thank want to thank Trevor Wickerin for allowing me to post links to Purple Mafia on that page out there as well. Mark Carlson out of Iowa says, Great episode. Thanks for putting in the time and the effort after a late game you made it look easy so to speak <laughs> Jesse Ball says we have to keep Kirk Cousins mad did anyone get a shot of all the pregame guys picking the Cowboys ha yeah it, it, it was all of them Gerald Ring Nebraska says man I'm on my second time watching on game pass and caught some of the original game live while driving and while at supper nothing to say but serious tough NFL competitive game and that's what it was when uh, the Vikings defeated the Dallas Cowboys that was pretty damn cool wasn't it trying to check something here i gotta stop doing this type of thing because oftentimes it doesn't work out so well no information don't you just hate that oh lord well i kind of messed up something here. i was curious about something and now it's all messed up gotta love facebook sometimes so now we'll dig around in the in-game threads a bit some good good posts throughout the game lots of emotion I kept myself in check a little bit. Wow, it was a busy, 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 busy comment section this week. Hopefully, that means it's more of a busy, busy downloading for the show. So the show has been—you uh, know—it's been not been a good couple of weeks. It always tends to catch up eventually. It just screws around for a while, and I don't understand it half the time. There were some really nice uh, in-game posts, and quite a bit in the post-game as well. I saw a good number of comments there. Mm-hmm. I hate the way they screwed this all up. Dave Hickey was saying, the Romo commercials are stupid. I hope we can kick some ass today. Kirk Back was saying, I hope we don't make the playoffs. I don't need another letdown. And I, I know what he feels there. Mark Carlson, also not pleased with the uh, Romo commercials. That's funny. He was also saying, Mark out of Iowa, says this is starting to look like little big things all over again. Yep, the frustration. Well, this horrible game, or well, excuse me, Brent, Jake, Brent Jacobson says, no, this is Justin Mayor henry Pardon me. I see Brent Jake somewhere. Oh, no, I don't. Uh, Justin Mayor henry says, Well, this game was horrible so far. Mark Carlson says, Fourth quarter defense can win the game, and they they barely did. Whoof. They barely did. Yankee out of Brooklyn Center says, What a blab play calling. Third and one. Should have bootleg for play action. And, yeah, it's just the same old crap. Brett McCarthy was saying, Rhodes gets beat again. Liability. And that's for sure. Heard back really summing things up here. Another backup quarterback. Uh-oh. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yeah, Kurt Back out of Lakeville. Very frustrated. Jesse Ball says, purple power. Patrick Grant was saying now it's a game, and that was in the second half there into the, uh, into the, uh, fourth quarter. Stellar Star Thomas, very active today. He's originally from South Carolina, and he lives in Hawaii. Very cool. Stellar Star Thomas, very active today. Nice to hear from you. Hopefully he's, uh, all he's a listener as well. Nice nice to have you on board, Silver star Thomas. Awesome. Originally South Carolina to Hawaii. Interesting combination there. He says, Oh my God, our secondary is bad. Pass defense needs to step up. Come on. Guys are wide open is the scary part. Yes, that was the uh, guys from, you know, the uh, Denver Broncos. Yeah, Celestar Thomas about as excited as I was about our secondary in this game. And oh my, oof, oof, oof. I don't know why this jumped away on me. That was kind of weird. We'll get to the post-game thoughts here in a second. Want to see if there's any some more. Brad McCarthy was happy at some of those uh, stops. It's like we're good, and then we came back to the extreme frustration during the course of the game. Just unbelievable frustration. Yep, Yankee, nor uh, Brooklyn Center's just trap game. We just got Buffaloed again, and it sure looked that way, didn't it? Eric Mustard says, Welcome back, Sandeo. Oh, now turn the rest of this bleep around. Yeah. Oof duh, yeah. Yep, yeah, Brad McCarthy, there it is. Rhodes is trash. Yankee Zong says bleeping Rhodes. Stella Star Thomas says, "Yup, Bad cousins is here. We will get our ass kicked in the playoffs. And that's how it was in the first half, certainly. Uh, Josh Mayor Henry responding to Cilla Star Thomas saying "And Josh Mayor Henry out of Colorado and future Purple Mafia Hall of Famer and I think Cilla Star Thomas could be a future Hall of Famer as well uh, Josh Mayor Henry says Josh Mayor Henry says to say it better we will not make it to the playoffs with this team yeah wow that's how frustrated we were and now with 8-3 record chances are pretty high we will but yeah as for doing anything when we get there I have no idea who knows it's going to take some uh, mad mad Kirk Cousins to do it. C- Kurt Back says, I'm at a loss, but I'm happy. I guess they woke up. Yay. Cool. Josh Mirenray says, get your ass off the field roads you haven't done bleep today. Don't need to be running your mouth. Yeah, he was He was doing that. He sure was. Um, Josh Marinry says, good. I was about to be really bleeping pissed off. WTF? That was bleeped up. Very bad call. Yep, yep, yep. Brad McCarthy says I hate these type of games, me too. I was losing it because we could not we could not do anything. We could not stop Denver on third down or fourth down later in the game. And then at the same time the offense was just invisible in the first half and it just ooh, it just got freaking frustrating. Oh Lord. So let's get to the postgame thread now. As these are these tend to be longer and descriptive and all that. That says twenty two, right? Huh. Yes, postgame thread here between the Bronx and the Minnesota Vikings. Where was it? Where did it go? Nobody knows. Most relevant no, we're not gonna go to most relevant, we gotta have them all. Dave Hickey out of Iowa says, Wow. I just watched the end of the game and former Hawkeye, no offense. Who had a good game against the Vikes pushed off Javon Curse, yeah, yep, and he missed the catch to end the game. Sweet, yeah, he actually he actually was the one pushing off Javon Curse. Yes, he actually pushed off Jaron Curse. Pardon me, I keep doing that. Jaron Curse. He pushed off of Jaron Curse. I'm surprised they called. I'm surprised they didn't call Curse for a tug on the jersey. Amazing victory. I don't know who gets either award. Lots of candidates. Rome seems to be a ponder finalist every week. But the whole defense was both good and bad—a tale of two halves, you might say. Both sides of the ball, actually. The Fran you, for the Fran, you could say, is cousins, Diggs, Harrison, Smith, who will be sorely missed if he misses playing time. Like the th- like uh, the Thielen on defense, or maybe J. Ron Curse even. J, yep, Jaron Curse. Ron Curse is definitely an honorable mention for the uh, Fran Award. So great thoughts there, Dave Hickey. Great thoughts. Great thoughts there, Mark Carlson out of Iowa says really. Uh, Really, I have so much to say about the game, this team and the refs, but there isn't time for me to go on for an hour here. So I will just say, skull, hope we can get some guys healed up with the bye week and head straight into the rest of the season with momentum and confidence. Skull Mark from Iowa. Yes, sir. And again, hope you had a happy Veterans Day, Mark from Iowa. Gerald String out of Nebraska says, oh boy, this team must have stock in high blood pressure medication. Nice comeback, but do they really need to let these games go down to the last second every week? Yikes, I'm getting too old for this. I know it. Oh, do I know it. Dave Hickey says, well, I did walk away from this game at halftime because I didn't want to commit more negative shit at them, comment more negative shit at them, and the Purple Mafia Nation is all I have that can relate to the Vikings besides my childhood friend Mike Feller's cool. My whole family is Dallas or Green Bay fans. Yuck. So thanks to you, Joey, I have a place to vent my frustrations and once in a while my jubilation. Luckily, lucky I did not hit the record button when I walked away just in case. <laughs> oh, wait. L- lucky you did hit... The record button when you walked away, just in case. And yes, indeed. And yeah, don't be afraid to call in with the uh, the uh, audio submission route. Uh, any of you can do it. Dave Hickey, Mark Carlson, Brett McCarthy, Mike Fellers, any of you guys. Jeff Froiland would love to hear from you. Leland, any of you. So please do. Uh, so, somebody call in. With the uh, audio submission routes, always, always welcome. But I love the, yep, you can vent your frustration here on the Facebook page, which is 100% welcome. And, of course, the audio submission route, which we will get to at the end. Brett McCarthy, South Dakota, says, Honestly, I don't know how to take Kirk. Can't believe his play the past few weeks. Pretty cool, wasn't it? Pretty cool, pretty cool. Mike Fellers, out of Iowa, says, Please call my cardiologist. I can't take much more of this period. Thank God for the win, but oh, for the win, but oh my God, yeah. Yeah, man. Dave Vicky response says, you can thank God for the win and tons of other things, but I'm not sure God is a Vikings fan, though, all these years of suffering. All the gut-wrenching losses in the Super Bowls and championship games, most of them when we were in grade school. Yep, back in the day, huh? Back in the day. That is, of course, the Super Bowls in grade school in that case. Um, from yeah a lot of us by the time we were all those nfc championship games most of us were adults already yeah myself included going back to 98 i was a very young adult in 98 but i was an adult oh let's just keep moving jeff froyland says what a comeback cbs said the record was oh yeah this is an amazing stat which makes jeff froyland an instant star candidate i almost forgot about this this is an urban legend of urban legends a team with Kirk Cousins who struggles against—well, Denver is not a winning team, but struggles when trailing, struggles against good defenses, struggles against this, struggles against that. Luckily, you know, just imagine if this was a prime time game in the night. Yeah, obviously prime time, national television uh, against a winning team on the road. Then, then you add this, that. Just imagine if that was all together. Talk about your urban legends. But this is still an urban legend. Let's get to what Jeff Frohling said. It's short, but my goodness, is it something. What a comeback. CBS said the record was 0-99 for teams trailing by 20 or more at the half. Vikings changed that stat today. cool. Yeah, so like the last 99 games, teams had lost them all, trailing by 20 or more at the half in the last 99 games. Pretty damn crazy. Vikings changed that stat. It's now 1-99, so we are part of 1%, ladies and gentlemen. We are part of the 1%. That is an elite group as you'll ever see. Hopefully we can bring that momentum further. Jeff Froyland continues with a uh, meme saying, hold my beer. I'm just saying. That's what he says there. Mike Feller, Stu Evans responds with Jeff Froyland. Hope I have your permission to steal that. That is awesome. I'm a lifelong Viking fan and Jeff Froyland says, take it. Yup, yup, yup. Amazing stuff. Brent McCarthy continues, says, I have to say Kirk is calm on this comeback. Why do we put ourselves through this? It's a win, and we are diehard fans, I guess. Wow is all I can say. Thank God we have a bye to get stuff figured out. Josh Mayor Henry says, need to use the bye week to figure out the issues with the secondary. Justin responds with, Justin Mayor Henry responds with, we can only hope. I'm glad it's a bye. I need a week off of this madness. And Josh Mayer Henry agrees, saying next week I can watch football and be calm. Yes, we can look at some of the outside games. NFC North, this and that. Justin, hopefully the Packers lose. Wouldn't that be helpful? Justin Mayer Henry says another down to the wire game, but they pulled out the W. Was a horribly disgusting start versus this horrible team, but a wins a win skull. Skull indeed. Dave Hickey responds with it's a bad team record wise, but they are rated third or they are rated third or fourth defense wise. But I'm sure you know that. You're a true Viking fan and a Purple Mafia fan. So thank you for that, Dave. Dave for sure is getting a star today. I think Mayor Henry should be getting stars as well. Justin responds with, Having lived in Colorado for over 30 years, I've seen that Denver team be an absolute monster. They are nowhere near what they once were. But you are right. They still—they still have some killer defenders. Yeah, I mean, 2015, a lot of those guys, like uh, Von Miller and such, is a really good defensive team. Their offense just kind of stinks. But they got—they converted all their fourth downs today, which drove me nuts. But again, that's how it goes. You know, that's just how it goes. It's one of those kind of days. Um, yeah, but I mean Terrell Davis and the—the the defense back then was like kind of bend but don't break. But then you had the best running back like ever, basically during that stretch before he got injured in Terrell Davis and John always just an absolute legend he was always a comeback kid comeback king Kurt Back says what can you say I take all the bad shit I said lol yep he's kind of laughing and yep I feel the same I tried to last week I cursed so much and I think a lot of people left the group actually so I do apologize Mm -hmm. not that many but like about five people left the group during the course of the week like ouch I think I might have turned some people off or maybe they just didn't like the Vikings anymore who who knows Or just I turn them off. They think I'm not a fan for cursing. Matt Emer out of the UK wraps up this section. Says, holy crap, I didn't expect that. And me neither. And a lot of us really didn't. That was an amazing comeback, wasn't it, Matt Emer? God bless you out of the UK. Love you, Matt Emer. He's been around forever and ever. Thank you so much for hanging around despite my craziness. Gold star today goes to Dave Hickey. For certain. Gold star to Dave Hickey. Absolutely. Ah, I want to go backtrack a little bit here. What was said earlier? What was said earlier? Ah, I'm bouncing around here. Mark Carlson, yep, he was singing. Yep, so the, uh, I want to get back. I think Celestar Thomas should, Celestar Thomas we'll get uh, Star Thomas and, let's see, so Gold Star Dave Vicky, Silver Star Thomas, and where is that 99? Yeah, what a crazy, crazy day. Yep, I went way off here. Uh, always gotta hit the wrong button, don't I? <laughs> star Thomas is gonna get a Silver Star along with Jeff Froiland. Great statistic there, Jeff Froiland, a couple of quotes there. Jeff Froiland, Celestar Thomas, each get a Silver Star, Justin and... J- J- Justin and Josh Mary Henry will rake in those silver star those uh we we'll, we'll say silver plated bronze stars today. Mike Zimmer looks all happy after the game. I don't know how happy he could be though, but uh ooh, there was a visitor post here. I apologize Mark Carlson. I gotta read these, oh man, I apologize, but no uh. Mark is going to get a bronze star as well with the Mayor Henry's, yeah, because he's, you know, posting a lot of wonderful stuff here. But, uh, of course, he says, got the Thursday night game in the shop, uh, on in the shop, wood stove, putting out some nice heat, and so are the Browns. Oh, boy, this is right before some crazy stuff. Mayfield with a few derp completions and a touchdown already. Wow. And the Falcons destroy the Saints. I mean, destroy. I will drink to that. School brothers and sisters. As Mad Martin would say. Yep, I love that. So yeah, I got to look at those visitor posts. Glad to see that was there. Skull Brothers and Sisters. Yep, remember how he always says that. That's cool. I like how Mad Martin says that. But uh, So Dave Vicky, Gold Star. Silver Star to Jeff Froyland. And Silver Star Thomas. Nice active post today. Love, love his uh, great football mind. And then uh, followed up by Justin Mayer-Henry, Josh Mayer-Henry, and Mark Carlson with the Bronzes. Yeah, I'm just getting too, I'm getting so generous of these stars, but I want to give it to you guys. You guys are awesome. I love that you're a part of this show. It just means so freaking much to me. I can't say enough. I'm going to keep saying it forever. Some of you may think the show's too long. Some of you want it longer. You know, it just is what it is. Uh, there's always so much to say. Today there was, oh my God, was there a lot to say. And it just kept going and going. And uh, of course, there was a lot to say, a lot of back and forth, Taylor of two halves, comeback cousins, cousins comeback, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to call it comeback cousins because he was comeback cousins today. And hopefully he can uh, start to build that reputation Should the Vikings trail in the fourth quarter, it ain't over yet, because you got comeback cousins leading the way for the Minnesota Vikings, maybe on the road in prime time, in a big playoff game, uh, where something very wonderful may happen, leading the Vikings to their first Super Bowl in 43 years. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something? Mm -mm -mm. Uh We'll see what happens. With that said, hope all of you have a nice uh, well, gosh, the next game will be after Thanksgiving, so I better pass this out. I better talk about this very briefly. Again, this is the last show for two weeks because the bye week is coming and Thanksgiving is going to happen. Out of all the holidays during the course of this time of year, you know, usually the only time I use the phrase the holidays, I'm talking about Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. I'm not Mr. Political Correct, Happy Holidays Only. I might say everything. Like if I, you know, I might say Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. That might be a little bit better, I guess. That way you kind of cover all grounds, but I always want to use the words Merry Christmas. But um, during the course of these autumn holidays, we'll say, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, and whatever else is out there, I think my favorite one's Thanksgiving. It kind of quietly is. As much as I love Christmas, you know what sucks about Christmas? Christmas is, it's over. Where Thanksgiving is kind of just the beginning of Christmas season. Christmas season is the most beautiful thing of all, where you get the lights, and you're already seeing a couple right now. It's a beautiful sight to see. You like to go out for a little ride in the evening around this time of night, which is going to be about 9 p.m. in this time that I'm recording this. Just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful world out there this time of year as we're heading into the Christmas season. Um, Thanksgiving is kind of like just the beginning of it. The only bad part about Christmas for me is the crowds. The crowds suck. Everybody hates it, unless you actually like it, but I don't like crowds. I love the decorations. I love seeing the... uh, Decorations for sale in and stores. And it's just the most beautiful thing ever. And I love how it's the beginning. See, what sucks about Christmas is it's over. Once Christmas Day is here, Christmas is over. That's, the, that's what sucks about it. Where Thanksgiving, the turkey, the fact that the lawn service is done, the factory survived another crazy year, and hopefully, well, the Vikings aren't losing on Thanksgiving Day, right? Yes, we, we won't be playing on Thanksgiving Day. Maybe a Vikings win is really nice, like beating the Cowboys back in '98. Uh, beating Detroit in 2017, as we rolled to our uh, rolled to a 13 and 3 record that year. Oh man, en route to a Minneapolis miracle, leading to the Philadelphia disaster, whatever you want to call it. Just rainy day in Philly. Ugh. But um, <clears throat> some good memories uh, leading into Thanksgiving and all that. I, I just love it. So I hope all of you have a wonderful, happy Thanksgiving going back to the days of the Pilgrims. That's what's also so cool about it, because it's so authentic, it's so classic. Love Turkey, I love Turkey, and heck, you know what's amazing about Golden Valley, Minnesota? Not only does the fox run around, particularly even right, even out on the little uh, railroad tracks out there for my Golden Valley apartment here, close to Duluth Street and Douglas and all that, but uh, there's turkeys everywhere in Golden Valley which is the darndest coolest thing ever wild turkeys like real turkeys you know like turkeys you see pictures of and you know on the internet like it's thanksgiving or it's turkey day or it's turkey week or turkey this turkey that well there's real wild turkeys all the time everywhere throughout golden valley which is the darndest thing because years ago it wasn't the case but about the last 10 years or so it has become turkeyville and my parents live you know obviously south of here in Golden Valley, but southeast of here and there's a street, Parkview Terrace, where a lot of the turkeys hang out, and my mom actually calls it Turkey Street. So it's kind of the coolest, darndest thing to think there's turkeys everywhere. How a lot of wildlife has kind of uh, come back as they probably ran away about a hundred years ago or so, maybe eighty to a hundred years ago when civilization just kinda of went ape crap in this area. <laughs> the last hundred plus years but while the wildlife is kind of gradually returned because they realize this is probably the safest place to live you're not going to get shot at here so you know there's deer there was a giant buck running by while i was doing lawn service a few days ago so pretty darn cool stuff as well a real buck yeah <laughs> no gun nothing like that <laughs> in that case so again kind of a long finish to this one but figured some of you might like this and obviously, if you are bored with it, you could just turn it off. But uh, it is what it is. I hope a lot of you are enjoying yourself into Thanksgiving, and you have a nice, safe, happy Thanksgiving. And as we head into Christmas season, and maybe you get lucky on Black Friday on the internet, some of you might actually want to go somewhere. But if I do anything on Black Friday, it's internet slash application on the phone. That's all. That's all I got this nice TV last year because I was in desperate need of an upgrade and I got it for a pretty nice price. Thank God for Internet Black Friday versus in-person Black Friday because I'm not going to a stupid store on Thanksgiving Day. I'm not doing it. So, with that said, <laughs> we'll wrap up things of that. Go Vikings, beat the Seahawks and 9-3, and here we come, would be pretty damn cool. Oh, and just before I conked out here, I was like literally pressing the button. I was like, no, 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 let's uh, get to the contact details super quick. Of course, the Twitter account is at Purple Mafia Show. Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Now let's get to the audio submission route again. All you got to do is find the free voice recording application on any smart device on the planet. Just simply click record. Or of course, if you have like a audio... Editing software on your laptop or desktop and a nice solid USB microphone. Just click record, blah, blah, blah. Treat it like a phone call or like a small segment on a show, depending on how you're thinking. And keep it to about five ish minutes or so. Hit the stop button, duh. Then save it and send it to email or email it to paladino live at yahoo.com. Paladino live at yahoo.com. All this information will be in the show description. Can't wait to hear from you. You'll be right here leading off fan interaction. And those of you out there that could. Be so kind to write a positive review on, on uh, Apple Podcasts or iTunes or whatever you call it. I guess it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. If you could write a positive review, I would thank you so very much and guarantee you a star on the next episode that I see the uh, reviews. I try to check it a couple times a week just in case something pops up. With that said, now I will bid you adieu. Skull Vikings, defeat the Seahawks, and let's roll to 9-3 and three and hopefully well beyond.